in, in our spiritual lives, I think there are times where we come up against things that kind of like freeze us in our tracks. We're not sure how to go on. Oh, it's doubt, fear, just like uncertainty in these things. And sometimes it freezes us. It may be direct spiritual attacks or like internal temptations that happen. It may be past experience that brings about those doubts or fears or possibly just life circumstances that hit us like a truck and we're just like not sure what to do. Tonight, we're looking at a situation where trusting God was an integral part of, um, it was integral in the midst of this like fear-inducing situation and how trusting in the Lord made a way for God's salvation to occur. Um, so I want to pray here, and then we're going to jump into uh, 1 Samuel 17. Um, God, we, we give you this time. I ask you, Lord, just to speak, um, that you would speak. You would, you would draw us into just a deeper place of relationship with you, God, a deeper place of obedience. Um, just ask for your wisdom. Ask for your direction in the things that we do, the way we live. Um, help us to just follow in your footsteps, Jesus, to, to live as you did, to apprentice you, and um, that we would see, like, your your salvation like work in us and through us um, on, on just like really deep levels. Um, I just pray tonight, um, I pray for a, a moment of just breathing easier tonight maybe. Um, I pray for a moment of, uh, of rest before you and together as a group, um, but also that you just challenge us um, to go, to step into maybe something new tonight. Um, so we give you this. Uh, we love you. Amen. All right, let's jump in here. Um, this is a little a longer, but maybe a more familiar section of uh, Old Testament scripture. Um, now, the Philistines had gathered their armies for battle. Uh, they were gathered at Sukkot, which belongs to Judah, and they camped between Sukkot and Azka in Ephestamim. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the Valley of Delah and drew up in battle array to encounter the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and the valley was between them. And then a champion came out from the armies of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span. It's tall. Um, he had a... He <laughs> Oh, uh, he had a bronze helmet on his head, I'm sorry, and clothed with scale armor, which weighed 5,000 shekels of bronze. He also had a bronze, bronze greaves on his legs and a bronze javelin slung between his shoulders. The shaft of the spear was like a weaver's beam, and the head of the spear weighed 600 shekels of iron. Uh, his shield carrier also walked before him. He stood and shouted at the ranks of Israel, and he said to them, Why do you come out and draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, then we'll become your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you'll sh you shall become our servants and serve us. Again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul, the king, and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. 
Now, David was the son of the Ethrotite of Bethlehem in Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. Jesse was old in the days of Saul, advanced in years among men. The three older sons of Jesse had gone after Saul to the battle, and the names of the three sons who went to the battle were Eliab, Abinadab, and Shammah, and David was the youngest. Now the three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to send the father's flock at Bethlehem. And the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days, and he took his stand. Jesse said to David, his son, take now for your brothers an ephah of this roasted grain and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to your brothers. Bring also these 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand and look to the welfare of your brothers and bring back news of them. For Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Allah fighting with the Philistines. So David arose in the morning and left the flock with the keeper and took the supplies and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp where the army was going to battle array, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up in the battle array, army against army. And then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper and ran to the battle line and entered in order to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, behold, the champion, the Philistine from Gath named Goliath, was coming up from the army of the Philistines, and he spoke these same words. And David heard them. When all the men of Israel heard the man, they fled from him, and they were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. All right, we're halfway through the story. It's like, bear with me. It's going to get spicy, all right? <laughs> halfway through. All right. David spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? The people answered him in accord with the word, saying, Thus it will be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, the oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger burned against David, and he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence, the wickedness of your heart, for you've come down in order just to see the battle. But David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a question? And he turned away from him to another and said the same thing, and the people answered the same thing as before. So when the words which David spoke were heard, they told them to Saul, and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, you're not able to go against this Philistine and fight with him. You're but a youth while he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and attacked him and rescued it from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go. May the Lord be with you. And then Saul clothed David with his garments and put a bronze helmet on his head, and he clothed him with armor. And David girded the sword over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot go in these. I have not tested them. So David took them off. He took a stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his shepherd's bag, which he had, even in his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. 
Philistine came on and approached David and the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and ready with a handsome appearance. And this Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And this Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you up into my hands, and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. I will give the bodies of your army to the Philistines, the state of the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is God in Israel. There is a God in Israel. And that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He will give you into our hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead. And the stone sank in so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in David's hand. So it's a lot. And I don't know how many times that, like, I heard that story growing up. Like, anybody else in that realm of, like, man, I've, like, heard this a thousand times. That, it, was, it was oft told, okay? Um, we tend to be enthralled by it, and I think for good reason. We love the underdog, right? Like, it's always, like, a good thing. Um, we're, we're, we get excited about that. We can relate on a metaphorical level because we experience giants in our lives, right? There's things that come up against us. Um, this story is so prevalent that, you know, people who, like, don't know anything else about Scripture really understand David and Goliath. Like, we whip that out for, like, sporting events or, like, like the little business against the big business or, like, anything where you can talk about an underdog, David and Goliath comes up. What that means, though, is the story can also turn into white noise really easily. Um, oh, yeah, it's just that David and Goliath thing again. And that's not what I want for us tonight. I don't want to just have white noise about God's word. Um, this is important stuff here when we're thinking about our life of faith. Um, the story of the sling and the stones is, is rooted in our God that saves. And really, that's the root of this entire thing of, of like, these are salvation stories because God is a God who saves, who loves to save. And if we catch nothing else through this, like, series of four teachings, it should be that God loves to save. He is the great rescuer. He wants to see rescue enacted in and through his people. But one of the truths that we specifically see in this account from David is that a truth is we will experience looming obstacles in our lives. Like, we will. It's going to happen. Um, we will experience barriers in our faith journey. Um, this, unfortunately, is a given. Um, and if, you, you know, if you've been told your life suddenly becomes perfect and there are no troubles ever when you follow Jesus, that is a lie. Sorry. Um, like that, that's not the experience that I have had. Um, there is brokenness within people. There is brokenness within the systems of the world and even the natural order of things now because of the way sin has worked in our world, we're going to experience obstacles and hurts and trials and all these kind of things in our lives. 
Um, and as we try to hold fast to the Lord and follow him in obedience, as we fix our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of our faith, there's still going to be looming obstacles that arise in our lives and, and that we have to work through. Life surely has taught us that, but Jesus speaks it. And we even hear like the, we hear James like reiterate this and speak more into that. In, in John 16, 33, Jesus has been speaking to his disciples and he's like, I've told you these things so that you may have peace. I've told you these things so that you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. I'm very glad he doesn't stop there. You know, he's like, that would be like really sad. You know, it's true. In this world, you will have trouble. But he goes on to say, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Take heart, I've overcome the world. Like he's, he's making the statement, like you're going to deal with troubles, but take heart because I am in control. I have overcome the world. James goes on um, in James 1 and 2. James is like, hey, what's up, brothers and sisters? Now let's talk about trials. You know, like that's like how he opens the book. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. Um, Jesus makes it clear the fact that we're going to have trouble in our lives, that it's just a kind of a given, and James reminds us of that. But they don't leave it there, which is the beautiful thing. Jesus reminds us that he, the Son of God, the one from the beginning by which all things hold together, yeah, he's got this. He's got it. He, 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 has, he has it. Our trouble may be big, but God is bigger. And James tells us, you know, as we remember that whole thing about, like, God is bigger than these things, to actually take joy in the midst of those. Um, not, not because we, like, enjoy it. Like, that's not what he's calling us to. Um, but because trials, obstacles, these giants in our lives, they create an opportunity for testing and for refining and for maturity to happen. There's a maturing process that happens when we have this loom in front of us and we're like, I'm going to trust God through these things. There's a refining that happens. We will experience looming barriers in our faith journey, but what or who are we trusting in? Um, maturing of trust is built on past experience. The, the person who has been with me thick and thin through all of it, who has been um, you know, trustworthy in that is going to pull more weight than the stranger, and I, I'm sure that's the case for you, right? Like, and we see this with God, like God is completely and absolutely trustworthy and over and over and over is trustworthy during these times and we get refined, we get sharpened in our trust of him and matured as that goes on. Something we learn from the sling and the stones is to remember how God has worked in the past. I, I can't tell you the amount of times that the scriptures are like, remember, remember. If you guys have been around here for a couple years, you're probably sick of me saying remember because that is such the word. Remember these things. Remember what God has done. Remember who he is. Remember how far he has taken you, all these things. Um, Saul, you know, as David and Saul are, and Saul are having that, that conversation, and Saul's like, you, you can't do this. Like, you're young, you're inexperienced. Um, he's been a warrior from his youth, and David's like, your servant has killed 
the lion and the bear when they come after my sheep, and the Lord who delivered me from um, the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. He's remembering what God has done in his life. This kid is willing to go up against the giant that was essentially bred to be a killer because he has the experience of God taking care of him. He's like, I know that God's going to watch over me because I've seen it over and over and over. And David steps into the arena remembering what God has done for him in the past. Um, Ten chapters before this, which is actually a pretty decent amount of time for the Israelites, but um, in 1 Samuel 7, it's like one of the things that has stuck with me in Scripture, like it's high up there. There's this point where there's actually another, there's been another victory against the Philistines, who David is fighting against here. And there's been this victory, and the priest Samuel sets up this stone, the the Ebenezer, um, the stone of help. And he's like, I'm setting this up today so that we remember thus far the Lord has helped us. Thus far the Lord, anytime we see this stone, we're going to remember this is, God has helped us up until this point, and he will continue to do that. Um, David's remembering again, like this, what the rest of the Israelite army has forgotten, even the king himself. And I think that even plays out in, in the stones that David grabs, five smooth stones. Numbers mean things in the Bible, and anyone looking at David selecting five would be thinking Torah, five, our first five books of the Bible, the law, God's word, his truth, what, what David is grabbing onto here, these scriptures that tell us and show us of God's faithfulness to his people over and over and over and over again. He only needed one. He grabs these five, and he holds onto this truth as he approaches a seemingly insurmountable obstacle. He says, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So how, how do you remember God's faithfulness? Like, think through that. How, how do you roll that over in your mind in the midst of your days? Like, how has God been faithful to you? Obstacles and trials will come. The Lord is faithful, and we need to remember that. And we also see that God uses us in spite of our inadequacy. God uses us in spite of our inadequacy. We, we see Saul saying, there's no way you can do this, and he was right for all intents and purposes. On, on paper, David was not the dude. Like, he should not have been the guy that day. Um, even after the king decides to let David fight, he's like, all right, put on my armor. And David's like, I can't even walk in this. Like, I'm, I'm over-encumbered. I have stopped, you know. And David's this, like, shepherd, not a fighting man. He's inexperienced. He's going up against a veteran of many wars. He's small and kind of seemingly weak compared to the other soldiers, particularly a giant. Like, all of these things are against him. There's inadequacies all through this. It's the portrait of inadequacy, but God uses him to bring about victory. Um, Later in the scriptures, Paul shares another word from the Lord in this vein. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Paul is complaining to God about like some issue that he has. And the answer that God gives him is that. It's like, 
my power, my power, God's power is made perfect in your weakness. And we see this with David as well. He realizes, David does, the obstacle that he's up against. He remembers the Lord's faithfulness and he relies on the power of God rather than on his own. He, he's like, use me. God's power was made perfect in his weakness. Now, this is a great story. Um, and there are truths worth holding on to about, about those things. Remember, like, if nothing else, we're going to come up against obstacles. The Lord is faithful. God uses us in our weaknesses. Like, those are, are things that we can hold on to and put into practice as we remember. But this is not simply a story about how David was saved from death, right? Like, it's not just about him. It's about, like, what God did through David, honestly, is that what counts. Um, it's how God brought salvation through David. The scripture recounts, um, the Philistine came forward morning and evening for 40 days and took his stand. Um, earlier I mentioned, you know, like, numbers mean something. And, like, I've thought a lot, like, this, like, again, is one of those things that's just, like, stuck like a burr for me this week as I was looking into this. And we see 40, like, over and over and over and over and over again. And I'm not going to lay all those out, but it's pretty crazy if you ever do, like, a word search of the Old Testament, particularly, of, like, 40. Um, but the, the thing I, I, used, I kept getting drawn back to um, in connection with this is there's this point where Israel, you know, they were enslaved in Egypt. God rescues them and brings them out, and they travel through the wilderness, and they finally come to the promised land, and they send in these spies to go, like, look throughout the land and kind of get, a, get an idea about what's going on there. Um, and uh, they go into there for 40 days. For 40 days, these spies travel throughout the land and get, get just an idea of what's happened. And, and this is what it says in the book of Numbers. When, when they returned from spying out the land, at the end of the 40 days, they proceeded to come to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the sons of Israel. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land, which was awesome. They, they told them and they said, we went to the land where you sent us and certainly it does flow with milk and honey and this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who live in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And moreover, we saw descendants of Anak there who were giants. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb's one of the people that went. He's like, we should by all means go up and take possession of it, for we will surely overcome it. But the other men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go up against these people. They're too strong for us. So they gave out the sons of Israel a bad report they said, the land of which we have gone and spying it out is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw are men of great size. Those dang giants. There also we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak that are part of the Nephilim. We became like grasshoppers in our own sight. So we were in our own sight, in their sight. These spies go and are sent out in numbers and they had this choice to make. They had a choice to like look at like this is the thing that God has called you to. This is the thing that God has promised you. This is his rescue um, and to trust that it's good or to fear the looming obstacles that seem to be in the way. 
That was the choice that these spies had as they went in and, and came back to the people. They could trust what was good or they could become fearful of the looming obstacles, these giants in front of them. And only Caleb and Joshua trust God and the people end up turning and that's this whole thing about like they rebel against God and they end up in the wilderness for 40 years, another 40. They're, they're there forever. Or for, for 40 years, that's not forever. Um, but the, uh, to them it felt like it. The army of Israel finds out itself again in this place. Now back into 1 Samuel. The army of Israel find itself once again in this place. God has good things for his people, salvation from their enemies, rest on all sides, but the giants in the way. The salvation story wasn't simply about God delivering David from Goliath, killing him. It's about God bringing about victory for his people through David's willingness to be used. And we have a few challenges here in the midst of that. Um, the first is, is this, like to, to simply embrace the gospel in your own life. Embrace these things that we've been, we were singing about tonight, about how Jesus came died for us bringing salvation from sin and death like the this gospel of like rescue and bringing us to like be in relationship with god the father all these things like to embrace that good news david put his life on the line to bring about victory in battle jesus puts his life down for humanity in order us to have victory over sin and death um, peter in his first letter 318 says for Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just for the unjust, so that he might bring us back to God, having been put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. Jesus makes this sacrifice for us. And if you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, there's like nothing more that I would want for you than that. The other challenge, though, is, you know, if you're a follower of Christ, there's a challenge here. David knew the giant was there in front of him. He remembered the faithfulness of God and the, that the Lord would use him despite of his inadequacy. We have a part to play as well. Um, and it's through our willingness to be used by the Lord to carry the gospel into the places that we live and move and there's such a need in. So what's in the way of you? And how can you act on what God has called you to do in order to be used by him in your context. Um, it's a little thing here, but um, tonight, you know, as you go, there's a, there's a bowl of stones here that's on that thing there. And sometimes I need just like a tactile, like memory kind of thing, something that you like sit on your desk or put in your car or things like that, Ben's got it there. Um, grab one of those tonight and, and kind of roll that around to take with you to remember, like, David's stepping up in the midst of all of this. We have these places, too, where we need to step up and do that. Um, obstacles will come. God is faithful, and he uses us even in our inadequacies. Um, there's some stuff to talk about in groups tonight. I just want to pray really fast, and then you guys can uh, break into that. Um, if you're usually in the prayer room, you'll be in a different spot tonight also. Um, God, we love you. Help us to not run from obstacles in our lives, to not freeze, but to stay strong in you, to, like, to hold fast to you, Jesus. Um, you talk about like you are the vine, we are the branches, and I just pray that we hold fast 
that we derive any power from, from our like connection to you, Lord, because you are our king. Um, I just pray over these students, Lord, help them uh, to live out their lives in boldness and in trust. Um, I pray for wisdom as they talk tonight and, and just good encouragement for each other. Um, we love you, Christ. Amen.